Welcome back to another episode of Below Freezing with CJ and Micah. I'm CJ. I'm Micah. And uh, we're back with episode seven. Second episode back from our hiatus. And we have... This is such an interesting episode because I feel like this is the first movie that we've done that is sort of generally beloved by some people. Yeah. I honestly am kind of dumbfounded that it has so low a ranking because I don't Mm -hmm. personally know anybody who doesn't uh, like love this movie that doesn't have a really deep emotional attachment to this movie. Well, you know me. (laughs) Well, yeah. Okay. I know you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And which is, which is part of the reason why I wanted to watch it because I haven't seen it since I was a kid and I remember not enjoying it much at all. And I don't know how much of that is, uh, how much of that I can attribute to the film or to my general disposition to anything that wasn't Disney before I turned like 13 years old because I, it just never sank in with me. And I was like even a Robin Williams person and I, it, it really just didn't. But another reason that I really, really wanted to do this one is to get a great, great guest on the show. Uh, everyone. Uh, yeah, that is you. Um, welcome PB, uh, Pumpkinberry. Hi. Twitch streamer and uh, podcaster extraordinaire. Yes. Oh, extraordinaire might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I appreciate that so you, very you much. You get to and be hello. an extraordinaire on the show. <laughs> oh, perfect. Fancy. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, yeah, we, we used to play Burn Bright, which is Roll20's upcoming in-house made tabletop Mm -hmm. system uh we used to play a game of that on twitch and uh when i was talking about the show uh in the sort of lead up to the show actually premiering i talked about how we were going to do an episode on hook and pb was like you gotta get me on hook i love that film i I think i think well i think the way it, I first got excited because he had said below freeze. He pitched the idea pretty much elevator pitch of the show. And I got super excited because a, I love podcasts and B I love films and, and C then, and then you said, cause I think you said, we're going to do a film on hook and you had expressed that you didn't like it. And I went, yeah. I, I will come champion hook. Please have all <laughs> the people, please. I will, I will champion the hell out of that. Uh, film because I love it so much. Well, yeah. So a little background on Hook. Hook was directed by Steven Spielberg. And Mm -hmm. so something that's interesting about Steven Spielberg is my roommate, who's who's another big film buff. um, He says that there are two Steven Spielbergs. I don't know if I particularly (laughs) subscribe to this uh, reading of Steven Spielberg's work and life. Um, But he he says there's two Steven Spielbergs. There's the Steven Spielberg... um, there's Steven Spielberg and there's Steven Spielberg after he reconciled with his father. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, this is very much in the latter half of that. Like, so, cause he doesn't like post, uh, he doesn't really like much of post close encounters, Steven Spielberg. So like he was never into this movie. He was never into Jurassic park and Jurassic park is a major point of contention between the two of us. But I'm really interested in, 
talking to people, having seen it now and jumped back into it as an adult, talking to people who really, really love it because my rewatch that I just did, I ended up really enjoying myself. And I did. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it is exciting. I ended up really enjoying myself as an adult. I could see the cracks and the flaws in this movie, you know, from a mile away. There's some serious flaws. Yeah, there are some serious flaws. Um, But so much of it is really, really charming. And uh, I'm super excited to unthaw it with you guys. So, uh, Micah, do you have the score and the consensus pulled up? I sure do. So it's tomato meter score is 28%. And the critics consensus is the look of the book is lively indeed, but Steven Spielberg directs on autopilot here, giving in too quickly to his sentimental syrupy qualities. Oh, damn you to hell. <laughs> Sorry, you probably have to cut that out. I don't know if we no, can no, swear no, on no, the no. show. You, but you, oh you, man, you that curse. upsets me. <sighs> that is scathing. I, I think it's I think it's harsh. Yeah, that's that's harsh. I think that it is um a very harsh wording of stuff that I agree agree with even though i ended up enjoying the movie right yeah um it is pretty saccharine but i and we usually do uh, a a sort of a recap so this is hook mm. is a peter pan story that's told through the most resilient of 80s and 90s film subgenres dad works too much <laughs> it's a very <laughs> familiar premise for sure like we've definitely done like we've definitely all seen the all work and no play makes jack a dull boy the dad storyline but yeah yeah i I don't know i don't think i'm mad at it Mm -hmm. but we'll get into it let's do let's do our our recap Yeah, yeah so um Peter, uh, played by Robin Williams, uh, the late great Robin Williams, mm-hmm. is uh, a workaholic dad who uh, takes calls in the middle of his daughter's school play and can't make it to his son's baseball games to save his life because he's a busy business person who's always busy with business. And <laughs> I have to tell you that basically the entire setup of this before we get to Neverland um, I had a very like hard time not like looking at my phone and getting up to do something mm-hmm. I was just just, Did and, you just and find I, it slow I found it very slow and and I think mm. that it's because all of the sort of style not all of the stylistic flourish but a lot of the stylistic flourish uh, comes when we hit Neverland which is where I think um, uh, the imagination of the movie really shines but I enjoyed seeing Maggie Smith yes. who uh, going by this movie there's certain people who have just been 63 to 75 since we've been alive yeah, since yeah <laughs> she's and, one of them for sure <laughs> <laughs> like I feel like she looked younger in Harry Potter than I she did in Hook. I thought the same thing. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure that's her like makeup heavy was stunning. old makeup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her makeup was stunning. And uh, they go there, and and she's Wendy, Wendy from the uh, original um, mm-hmm. Jam Berry stories. Yeah. And uh, Wendy is now an elderly woman who has helped a lot of uh, orphans find parents, which I thought was a nice touch. I will say yeah. that the banquet scene that they were in, where uh, Peter's giving the speech about her very heartfelt speech, and everyone stands up oh it almost got me i almost (laughs) cried i almost cried twice in this 
and that's not a huge feat. I'm an easy crier, but <laughs> I, I it, it almost happened, and, and uh, that was one of the parts. Yeah, I'm an easy crier too, and that directorial choice of having the them gradually stand as he spoke was mm-hmm. a ni- a nice emotional touch. Yeah, I that that about that about got me too. One of my main memories of this movie is mm-hmm. um that it was one of the first <laughs> emotionally traumatic movies for me. Yeah, um, really? I had the same reaction. Yeah, yeah mine one too. of my primary memories of this movie is how sad it made me as a kid. And I can't really say that watching it again made the reasons for that a whole lot clearer to me. Yeah. Um a lot of it is tied to Wendy and the idea of um, Wendy growing old when Peter didn't and then he does come back into her life but they've got this big age difference um, it's it feels kind of Benjamin Button-esque in that mm-hmm. you're like your faded pair um, don't age at the same time frame and end up apart Um same tragic draw that got me really into vampire novels when I was like 14. But, um, but I think that was a big part of it. And also just all of the emotionality of that, that speech scene and the lost boys being all by themselves and not having their parents. I think that really like struck an emotional Mm -hmm. chord with me. So there's a lot of things about this movie that I remember being a kid and being really emotional about. So watching it again, I was like, am I going to be, as sad this time and I wasn't but I do kind of understand why I was as a kid yeah another thing that I find really interesting about watching this movie now is how in the 90s especially family films everything's so arch um and everything is very exaggerated. So the slapstick is really yes. slapsticky, which is part of what I sort of enjoyed about it what endeared it to me uh, even to the point of like uh, the fact that Peter couldn't make it to his son's baseball game, so he had an assistant go to videotape <laughs> yeah, that it. Yeah, kind of funny, yeah. I, I was like, that's that's really hilarious. Also, just as these things are really good time capsules yeah. for, you know, not only like technology of the time, but like they fly to London on Pan Am. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, of course, like Pan. <laughs> yeah, nice there's there's a lot of things too. Like um, Dustin Hoffman does the voice of the captain as well on that oh, flight. Nice. Oh, yeah. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, and there's like because especially like I'm I'm sorry I've been so quiet because I've been waiting for the recap because I'm not sure if I should just jump in. Oh but, yeah, just jump in. Jump know, in like at, whenever you at want. At the at the end of the film, you know, when it's like he wakes up and it's kind of like, was this a dream? That's just another bit here. Like, did he make it up in his head because mm-hmm. he heard the captain's voice which was Dustin Hoffman at the beginning of the flight and one of my favorite moments in this film so part of the reason why I also thought it was sad I didn't what takes me out of it now watching it as an adult are those slapstick moments where they kind of like forced it into being a child's film I feel like like they did some things that I felt like we're just put in to kind of make it a kid's film when it didn't really have to be there. I don't think, um, I know it's about lost boys and you had to have like young adult actors, but Mm -hmm. to, to me, it's a whole film about being afraid of dying. And I, when I watched this as a kid for the first time, it hit me and I was totally aware of it. And I felt, I felt so connected to hook because I was afraid of dying. Um, and it was just like, man, Oh, 
it was, yeah, it was really good. But I can go into that after the recap. <laughs> you're, you're fine. Like, uh, well, the recap, it's fine. The recap is usually the entire episode. We just stop and go on tangents. Okay, oh, okay. 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 Go on tangents. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. Even to that point of the movie being about a fear of dying, yeah. I think it's illustrated. And, and I think the production design of this movie is very good at illustrating the themes. Um, but also that there's a he's afraid of flying so he spends the entirety of that scene on the plane really really like spooked by turbulence and yeah. there's this part where his daughter gives him a drawing that his son drew that's uh that's basically dad you didn't come to my game so i hope the plane goes down in flames and only you die yeah it was yeah it's pretty rough it's pretty rough but i mean kids are dr- kids are dramatic in that way though right I feel like I, I feel like kids are dramatic in that way. It's also one of those <laughs> things realistic. that, you know, you always watch movies and you're always just like, who was ever able to speak to their parents? Like, <laughs> yeah, Um. I, I also think I thought it was interesting that they made Pan afraid to fly or Peter rather afraid to mm-hmm. fly, because to me, that's all symbolic of him being afraid to actually live his life him being afraid to fly and afraid to do these things and afraid to have that, you know, childlike adventure and wonder about his own life anymore. And I thought that was really important. And one of my favorite lines in this film is actually a cameo by Phil Collins. And it's right. I when knew the, that was Phil Collins. Yep. That was <laughs> Phil Collins. And it's right when the kids go missing. So it's before, yeah, it's before they go to Neverland and, um, he plays the police officer that comes up and um, Toodle says, I've forgotten how to fly. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at him and says, well, one does. And then that's it. And then they move on. And I just, yeah, I think that's an incredible moment where it talks about, okay, we all forget how to fly or we all get caught up in everything that we're doing. And sometimes we need reminders to actually live our lives you know life is the next great adventure and not just go go through the motions so I'm sure I'm injecting like so much into this film that wasn't intended but I don't care no I think think that if you can read it there I think it exists um but yeah he's uh, Peter has a uh, a bad dad job which uh, yeah. I believe he's a corporate raider. He's so a pirate he's yeah. actually pirate, yeah. he's yeah. an attorney which I so I am a paralegal is my day job. And so I spend mm-hmm. a lot of time around attorneys. I've spent a lot of time doing corporate type law. And I just mm-hmm. have a lot of questions about what they think that corporations as attorneys actually do. <laughs> so that was just a bit of like a like I chuckled to myself a little bit because like they're setting it up. as like he's, he's always in the office because he works directly for this corporation and he I just thought that was funny that I'm like, but that's not like attorneys wouldn't have that role within a corporation. Like he's functioning like he's like chairman of the board. But maybe that's his choice. That's even creepier. Yeah. If he chooses and he doesn't have to and he chooses to do it anyway, he just chooses to throw himself into his work. Oh, man. I think that there's something to be said about the idea that it's easier to tap into something that uh, feels colder and more adult 
mm. than it is to tap into something like familial love, some, something that you might be just overlooking. Mm. Uh, there's something interesting that you said uh, about him being a pirate because, quote unquote, all adults are pirates. And, and the Dustin Hoffman thing, I was wondering if Dustin Hoffman was going to show up in some other capacity besides being Captain Hook in this movie, specifically because in the sort of tradition of Peter Pan productions, the actor who plays Captain Hook is usually the father of the kids. Mm. And that's not really a one-to-one comparison, but I was sort of waiting on that and trying to figure that out. I uh, took a children's film class in college, (laughs) and the first half of the semester was all about various different literary, theater, and filmic interpretations of Peter Pan, (laughs) because we were in a sense, helping my professor write a book. And wow, <laughs> as you do. <laughs> As As one does. (laughs) And I think that something else that's interesting about this movie and and how it relates to Peter Pan is that so much of the visual signifiers uh, read to me as the Disney signifiers from the colors of the outfits and stuff like that, which also Mm -hmm. brought to mind sort of the cultural ubiquity of Disney and how they have built their brand on public domain IP that when those versions of those characters and those stories are so popular that when you get to trying to create a new version of it that isn't affiliated with the Disney version, it's difficult to visually distinguish yourself yeah. from it. Because I, and, and to and to be honest, I've forgotten a lot of what we learned in that class, but I don't know if, say, uh, Captain Hook's outfit was always red or if his hair was always supposed to look like that. But it looks like that here and it looked like that in the Disney film. I think, didn't the original J.M. Barry book have sketches in it? It might have. I think um, so. Um, yeah, I think it did because even in the films, she turns to the page and shows the the sketch of Peter. I think there were some sketches in the original. I can fact check that for you later if you want to put a notation in, but yeah. As a as a sort of cultural artifact in the long legacy of Peter Pan multimedia, this is a, a really interesting thing. But um, uh, while while they're at the, the banquet, uh, the kids get kidnapped by Captain Hook and taken to Neverland. Mm-hmm. And Peter also has to go to Neverland. And that's when we meet Tinkerbell, who's oh a lot in this movie. <laughs> This is one thing that I don't remember disliking as a kid, but definitely disliked now. I did not enjoy Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. I thought she was very over the top in a way. And a lot of this movie is over the top, but she's over the top Mm -hmm. in her own way that doesn't jive with the rest of the film. And so much of her physicality especially is very Mm -hmm. forced i felt like it was very forced um she just seemed really awkward in amongst a lot of other characters that seemed very comfortable and at home being their over-the-top children's film versions of themselves in a way that her it felt very much like this is Julia Roberts being tinkerbell not just this is tinkerbell like dustin hoffman i would have preferred um, oh yeah, Dustin Hoffman He's was like unrecognizable f to me. Yep. It took me a really long time to figure out that it wasn't Dustin Hoffman. All my brain heard was Jeremy Irons, even though I knew it wasn't Jeremy <laughs> Irons. 
but he was in that character and even Robin Williams was in his character in a way that I just did not get a sense that Julia Roberts was. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And it's funny because a little bit of trivia here. Um, so I, and I don't know how much of this is true, but rumors are that, um, her, her nickname on the set was Tinker Hell because she was really difficult to work with. I've heard um, that too. And they, yes. Yeah. And two other factoids were, I think they considered Winona Ryder and Meg Ryan for the role of Tinkerbell. And I was so disappointed when I heard that because I felt like either of those would have been a better option than uh, Julia Roberts. Winona not Ryder. that I hate Julia. Yeah. Not that I hate Julia Roberts or anything like that, but I, what you said resonates with me. Yeah. That was Julia Roberts as Tinkerbell. And it takes me out every time. It, she, she is one of those, uh, those personalities who like you go to see a movie with Julia Roberts because Julia Roberts is in it and mm-hmm. any other type of movie that Julia Roberts just so happens to be in is really jarring, yeah. you know? Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of stuff with Tinkerbell in this movie that sort of rubbed me the wrong way, but Tinkerbell's our way to get Peter to Neverland. And I want to talk a lot about Neverland because it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, it the production design in this movie is insane it really is and the effects like a lot of times when you watch old movies like this um i believe this came out within a year or so of previous below freezing movie rock-a-doodle um the difference in effects quality is stark this meshes um like your early like cgi special effects stuff with Mm -hmm. your practical effects in a way that i thought was really seamless probably a lot of that is because there wasn't a lot of that like high technology effects that we're used to nowadays Mm -hmm. but um yeah i agree i thought the production design was beautiful i loved it everything about it from the just that first wide shot you get of neverland Mm -hmm. uh just beautiful miniature work and uh, everything is so intricate and again, thematically resonant, the Lost Boys sort of mountain treehouse thing that they have, which is incredibly elaborate. Yeah. So <laughs> insane. It's just like this. I was like, where did they get? There's like a skateboard track and like this sort of uh, uh, sailing thing that goes on a track. This is like a, a, a weird dusty starlight express i love it and uh captain hook's ship the whole pirate shipyard reminded me a lot of muppet treasure island (laughs) but yeah also captain's quarters and captain hook's ship is just this sort of ornate tribute to that character's vanity that i really really enjoy and it's Mm -hmm. just gorgeous just once we get to neverland and on it's just such a gorgeous movie to look at and it's all sort of seems like it's in this haze the sort of dreamlike haze which they Mm -hmm. are i think they've visually there's a sort of clouding of the shots that goes on the closer and closer we inch to actually going to neverland but once you get there it's just phenomenal yeah it's it's incredible and and they do something with the light in there too, the way they filmed it. I feel like the mm-hmm. light is just, it's like almost so bright. It doesn't feel real. Mm-hmm. I feel like they, they did something particular with that. Whereas anytime before that in the film, it's just so dark. It's so incredibly dark. They, I mean, they do a lot of the shooting at night, but um, aside from the baseball um, scene where he goes, um, it's, it's pretty dark. 
So I think that that was visually wonderful that they did that. Uh, And then we get to meet the Lost Boys, Mm -hmm. including Rufio. Yes. Played by Dante Basco, uh, and and, you, Dante. and a oh, and a so host much. of other small children who and, and Rufio is very standoffish towards Peter. Doesn't believe he's Peter Pan because he's old and quote unquote fat. Because Robin Williams was not fat in this movie, and <laughs> no, he was not. And there's all of this stuff where they uh, they take him through the dusty treehouse Starlight Express, and they're like hitting him with things. And throwing skateboards at him. And he's just not having it at all because he's an adult fuddy-duddy and this was 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have none of that, please. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then uh, they like draw a line in the sand, right? And they're just like, whoever doesn't believe he's Peter Pan, get on my side of the line. And oh, they all go over to Rufio's side of the line, except for this one little boy. And he's just like, yeah, I can see. He's like I'm touching crying. his face and he's like, I can see it's Peter in there. And he's just like, but, wait, wait. You're right. But it's just such a, an important scene. And I cry every time when I watch it. Same. Because it's, he he like approaches Peter and he's mushing his face around. Mm-hmm. And Peter looks so sad when this is happening. He looks worn down and tired and he's like looking for his kids. And I think we I think we maybe skip the part like doesn't he see his kids first and then he sees the boys in neverland he does there's a scene on hook's ship which is also pretty heart-wrenching not as heart-wrenching as the scene with the lost boys because i also definitely cried at that scene yeah (laughs) i held it together for the speech and was spent by the time we got to that scene and then that was that (laughs) um but there's this there is a scene on hook's ship where hook says if you can fly and touch their hands yeah um, you can you can have him back, and you can and you can just go home. And you see his yeah. kids desperately crying out to him, especially the little girl. But like yeah. that little boy, you can just see it in his eyes that he's already given oh, up on his we'll dad. We'll get yeah, back to and him. Like we'll just get back like to that little reach boy. reach out and touch his hands. So like Peter arrives on this ship and is like, "You're confusing me for somebody else. I'm not. I'm not Peter Pan. You know, I'm Peter Banning or whatever." And and. uh Hook is just like kind of laughing at him. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, no, this can't be my my great and worthy opponent. Can it be? And he's just like, Hook no, so yeah, he's so incredible. And I feel like part of the reason why he wants so badly to have this war and to have this fight with Peter is for a reason to live, which, mm-hmm. you know, comes up later for Hook. But I I remember talking about this film with somebody a couple of years ago and we were talking about how if you were an adult and you went to this Neverland place, if you could go anywhere on the, you know, and be anything, what would you be? Would you be a pirate? Like, would you, as an adult, you'd go and you'd be like, heck yeah, I want to be a pirate. I want to like sail the seas and, you know, do whatever and have my great adventure. And, you know, kids are more likely to be, think that, you know, pirates and sail in the seas. That's not as fun. And I thought that was an interesting take. Like if you go, if Neverland is a place where you go because you're absolutely afraid of dying and you can't live your life because you're living in fear. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like that's an interesting take on it that adults would choose to be pirates in this, in this game of pretend in this place of pretend and um, kids might not. So I think that that's it because there are no obviously adult children there are only adult pirates no lost boy ever grows up and then there but there are adults here so why are they here it's just an interesting interesting thing to think about anyway so i also thought it was like 
really <laughs> sad that these kids all well all adults are pirates is I felt like that was a metaphor for all adults are not helping us all adults are non-trustworthy all adults are out to get you and I just see part of the reason why that scene where they all are like rushing to talk to Peter is like it really hit me as an adult watching it that like these are all kids who you can pretty much look at as these are kids that are orphans they have been let down um they have no adult that they can trust so what adult has shown them love like that was really heart-wrenching is that they all meet Peter after you hear that line. Well, all adults are pirates. Like so yeah. matter of factly that like no adult can be trusted. We have no adult that we can ever rely upon. And like yeah. if you take that as a metaphor Holy for cow, the yeah. way that kids like that are treated in the real world, it just <laughs> gets so much more heart wrenching. Yeah. So seeing that teeny tiny little boy, you can tell that he's one of the younger ones, mm-hmm. like wanting to reach out to Peter and being willing to trust him. Yeah. And Rufio is the oldest and the most jaded because he has more evidence that adults cannot be relied upon mm-hmm. and that there are no adults who will help you. Yeah. And he also feels betrayed. You know, Peter left them. He abandoned them. And that's like the worst betrayal, I feel like, because they've already been abandoned. That's how they got there in the first place. So for Peter Pan, of all people, people to leave and abandon them and grow up and have kids and forget them. That is such a tragedy. And then, yeah. And so, so the kid comes up and starts moving his face around and Peter looks so traumatized. And then the kid pushes his face into a smile, like a laugh. And mm-hmm. he pu- pu- pulls his eyes back so that he has eye wrinkles when he laughs and he goes, oh, there you are, Peter. And I cry every time. I cry every time. Yeah, and he's just like, and he's just like, we. This is this is Peter Pan, and he, and he's trying to save his kids. He's and he and he says, and who them kids else got? And I said, speak truth, little handsy black boy. <laughs> I was I was pretty sold from from then uh, there on in, and we get lots and lots of training scenes. Yeah, like he he becomes unfat in like three yeah. days. I was just like, okay, <laughs> what. All right. Come on, Phil. Uh, That's not how that works. <laughs> but uh, of him tripping and falling into very colorful mud and, and all of those things. And yeah. um, I want to touch back on Captain Hook and the kids. Because in the midst mm-hmm. of uh, Peter sort of rediscovering himself, the kids are just there with Captain Hook. Now, uh, the little girl, she don't want nothing to do with Captain Hook. Yeah. <laughs> at all. Mm-hmm. But he manages to get his clutches sort of into Jack, the son, whose who's arc in this movie is tantamount to a supervillain origin story. Yep. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, he in the towards the beginning of the film uh, as sort of an olive branch gesture of goodwill. Uh, Peter gives Jack, his son, a pocket watch. And if you're familiar with Peter Pan lore, Captain Hook is famously afraid of clocks because a crocodile once swallowed a clock and the crocodile wanted to eat Captain Hook. And every time Captain Hook got around the crocodile, he would hear ticking and have a panic attack. And he still has these panic attacks. Or he's afraid of dying and time passing and growing old. There's that as well. That'd be a thing. But that is also literally personified by a crocodile. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And we get to this scene, the scene where they're in this treasure trove of clocks. And uh, that was the scene that sort of took me aback. I didn't like cry at it where he mm. was, they're breaking the clocks and they hand Jack a mallet to break the watch his dad gave him. And he's like, this is for breaking promises. This is for never coming to a game. And he's smashing all the clocks and stuff. And I was like, oh man, this is terrifying. (laughs) Um, It's terrifying in in a very sad way. And and there's so many moving parts in this movie in terms of the story that they're trying to tell and how the characters Mm. interact with each other within it. And that was something that really stuck out to me. And uh, kudos to the little boy who plays Jack because Mm. uh, that scene was very affecting. There's also that line, uh, and I will butcher this a little bit, but Captain Hook says something very disturbing um, in that school scene with the kids Mm -hmm. where she's like, you know, mom reads to us every night because she loves us. And he turns around and is like, no, they're tired. They want to sit down for a couple of minutes without you because you're exhausting. And you, you you know, he took my toy. I want a cookie. I want a party, I think is Mm -hmm. what he says. And he says, I want, I want, I want me, 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 mine, mine, mine. And it's just, yeah, the way he delivers that is chilling. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he says, can't you understand or something like that? They, they tell you these things to shut you up so that they can just be with each other and in love again. And yeah, it's, it's a, that's a horrible thing to tell children. It's the, yeah. Yeah. That's why it's just, it's one of those yeah. movies like the 2002, the James Gunn Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Where it's just like, yeah. it is ostensibly a children's film that feels like it was not written originally for children yes. and was yep. told to be repackaged I'm, for children. Absolutely. There's like a lot of funny, like one, like really solid one liners uh, in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob Hoskins as uh, Smee uh, says at one point, uh, he has an idea <laughs> and he says at one point, I just yes. had an apostrophe. <laughs> I think you mean an epiphany. <laughs> that is my humor. That is choreographed humor. Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> of you and I thought of choreographed <laughs> when he said it. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, CJ's uh, gonna love that joke. But, oh, goodness I'm going to, uh, to sort of jump back to Peter and the Lost Boys, there's this big turning point at this dinner where everyone's about to eat mm. and Peter, and they're all sort of eating like they're they're eating nothing. They're just sort of picking up imaginary food with their hands and they're eating the imaginary food and he's just like, what is happening? I'm very hungry. I want some steak. I want some eggs. I can't see any food. And uh, he and Rufio get into quite the roast session. Yeah, which is so very 90s film. Yes, it was. Substitute chemistry teacher. Come on, Rufio, hit him back. Mong Tong. Math tutor. Pinhead. Prison barber. Mother lover. Nearsighted gynecologist. In your face, camel cake. In your rear, cow derriere. Lion crying, spying, prying, ultra pig. You lewd, crude, rude, bag of pre-chewed food, dude. And when Peter bests, there's this part where Peter uh, bests Rufio in 
the roast session and the kids start chanting Peter's name and Rufio starts chanting his own name and you can see the self-worth like leaving his face. Yeah, crushing oh him. Oh my God. No. I was like, what is, what is this movie doing to people? It's so good though. It was really good. And I, and I like the antagonism between Rufio and uh, Peter, Dante Basco and uh, Robin Williams. I have a Dante Basco story. Ooh, I'm ready for this. So I met Dante Basco, uh, who, because of my, my aforementioned uh, sort of dislike of Hook when I was a kid, my personal relationship, parasocial relationship with Dante Basco is through his voice acting work in animated shows like Avatar The Last Airbender and American Dragon Jake Long. And... I met him at a hook screening that, that was uh, going on at my job. And it's not really a, st- I shouldn't have positioned this as a story. The moral of it really is meet Dante Basco. He's nice. He's very petite. He dresses really well and he tips good. So <laughs> I would expect nothing less than all of the above. Yeah, I didn't, I, I wasn't working the hook screening. I was working another theater, but uh, towards the end of the night, all the theaters get consolidated to one server and uh, I, I believe he stayed to watch the Miles Teller, Jonah Hill two-hander war dogs. So, and he walked out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so I'm so envious of you because not only was Rufio one of my OG childhood crushes, Zuko in Avatar was also one of my OG childhood crushes. So like, oh, does he do Dante voice? Yeah, he's, he was Zuko in. Uh, he voices Zuko. I didn't Zuko. know that. <gasps> and he was just Jake Long in American Dragon oh. Jake Long. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I love that show too. I was, I think it came out a little too late for me to have had a, like an animated character crush on Jake Long, but I definitely had one on Zuko mm-hmm. and definitely always loved Dante Basco. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's good people. But yeah, after Peter sort of wins this battle of the wits, um, uh, he starts to see the food and he can eat it. Mm. And I, it was a lot of sort of mountains of things that looked very filled with sugar. And yeah, it looked delicious when I was a child. When I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a heart attack right there. So some animal, <laughs> couldn't tell you what it was, could, it, it was one of those things like um, when you're watching or reading How um, how the Grinch Stole Christmas and they talk about yeah. rare who roast beast, you don't know what rare who roast beast is. You just know you want some. It did look like a fake bird, yeah. didn't it? Like way too big to be a turkey. What is this? Yeah. What is this thing that they've made? But I think that's interesting because I think, doesn't Rufio say a line to Peter? He says something like, why you're just going to leave again? You know, like there, I, 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 I didn't enjoy Rufio when I was a kid. I mean, I enjoyed him as a kid, but I didn't understand him Mm -hmm. until I watched it again as an adult and I could see, oh man, he really, yeah, there's self-worth in there. And yeah, he wants to, you know, be the hero, but also he cares about these kids and he, he feels abandoned and he doesn't really want 
you know, he knows Peter's just going to get his kids and leave again. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, they sort of get a ragtag band of the kids together to go yeah. Yeah. save the kids from Captain Hook. Now, in mm. this time, Captain Hook has ingratiated himself to Peter's son. Uh, so much so that all of the pirates play a baseball game. Now, I have questions. Yes. Uh, did Jack teach all of the pirates baseball sort of and also did he teach them the general culture of baseball because people are eating popcorn <laughs> people are waving the triangle yeah. signs they have branded team merchandise i don't <laughs> i was like wow what an industrious little boy yeah i think that he i think he basically says oh this is how it goes and i think smee maybe was in charge of figuring out how the game mm -hmm. works because doesn't he yell and say no you're supposed to do this and you're supposed mm -hmm. to go there so I think Smee knows and he tried to make it as realistic as possible for him but it's a very strange, it is a very strange thing scene to do that in my gets, opinion yeah the, uh, turns yeah. on the as we have established trademark Hook devastation moment in which yes. Captain Hook with Peter sort of watching from the side uh, says this is for all of the games your daddy missed yeah. And then Just really driving it home there. Yeah. Like. And then there's that crazy moment too when he hits the home mm -hmm. run and he says, My son. And then Peter looks aside and goes, No, that's my son. Yeah. And he just is upset and leaves. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, it's a pretty brutal movie, yeah. actually, now that like I'm thinking about it. Like when you actually it. break it down. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, and and Peter sort of uh has his all is lost moment at that point goes back to the treehouse to meet up with Tinkerbell to try and uh, to try and fly and we get a lot of exposition real fast yep. ab mm -hmm. about uh, really where about Peter and how he and Tinkerbell came to meet and we get some flashbacks of Wendy and who's playing the young Wendy Goopeth herself <laughs> Oh my gosh, I have never heard anybody call her that and it's perfect. It's actually perfect. I, it, Peter! I, yeah, it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, specifically because our cohort now is more familiar with Gwyneth Paltrow as um, as yoga whack job meme uh, than, we, accurate, than huh? we are with her as an actress like outside of the Iron Man movies. And... And it's hard to sort of think back to this time that wasn't too long ago where she was a very popular working actress. Um, oh, I thought you were going to go with respectable there instead of popular working actress. I mean, <laughs> Sorry, was that, too, was that a back, bit of a drag? Well, I, no, I don't I don't think so. I I. I, I would say that she was a respectable actress as well. She's got an Oscar. She that Oscar was was very much toiled for. Um, mm. uh, maybe not as much through her performance as it was through the producers, but uh, she's a good Ooh. actress. Oh, that's a drag. That is that is a drag, but it's also <laughs> like, just the truth. <laughs> And it's, <laughs> one, yeah. it's, it's like Hook says in this film, lie me never. The truth is far too much yeah, fun. I, was just, I mean, mm. that I like Shakespeare in love, but um, but her work versus Harvey Weinstein's work um, uh, in, in yeah. getting that Oscar, uh, that that's that's something to yeah. uh, explore. But not today. Um, I think 
um yeah so we get this we get all these flashbacks and stuff and um and you know we learn about the birth of his son and how he left neverland uh to become a father and and this sort of leads back to what you were saying about this sort of fear of getting older and this fear of dying um that uh any if that would lead you to Neverland and lead you to staying there, uh, there's so much of life that you miss uh, by doing so. And I thought that that was uh, not uh, explained or executed in the best way, but I got it and mm. I loved it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's like if you spend your whole life living in fear of what's going to come, that it's going to come regardless. So if you spend your whole life focused on that, then you're not actually really living. You're not ever going to fly, you know, mm-hmm. that's so, that's, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, one, one thing, cause this movie has a lot of stuff about it that I don't think particularly works, but I think there's a lot of good that outweighs that. But one thing that I could not get past, and we're going to wrap right back around to Julia Roberts' Tinkerbell, I did not need Ooh, Tinkerbell yes. to be in such explicit and extreme unrequited love with yep, Peter. Thank you for did that. Did not need thank it you for that. at all. Because what even is that? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they did that. And yeah, it was just, it was very strange to me. Because you've already got a really effective, unrequited love with Peter's story in Wendy. Yes. And one that at least for me. That is so much more tragic. Yeah, it's so tragic. It resonated so well. And to a certain extent, you have that unrequited love in a different kind of love, but that unrequited love between Peter and Jack. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So unrequited love is something we've already got and it was executed so clumsily with Tinkerbell as yeah, well. Was. I yeah, I agree with you guys. I did not like it at I all. Hated Why that. did she get big? Yeah, it was just like super weird. Like, oh, I used my magic and I've wanted this moment my whole life. It's so that the kiss wasn't weird because it would have looked weird if he kissed a tiny fairy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it just, I don't know. It was super weird. Especially for her to sort of move past it as quickly as she did. So it's, it, it was Yeah, old. and then she's just like, goodbye. Yeah. I don't, I don't. Yeah. yeah, it was just so weird. You know, why does she have to, you know, I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, that was also, weird. Also, why does she talk? And like, yeah. it, it was, it was just a lot. That, that character is probably the most problematic part yeah, of the movie. So not, not only in terms of sort yeah. of what it's saying about the character, but also just from a story and characterization standpoint, it just kind of doesn't work. Like I appreciate them trying to take a character that otherwise wouldn't speak, you know, especially like a female character woman, give her lines and a a part. I that's, I appreciate that, but also just, it was executed so poorly. I feel like when Wendy, (laughs) Maggie Smith's face when Peter comes into the room and, you know, sees her and she's like, I'm ever so much more than 20. I can't come with Mm -hmm. you, you know, look at my children in the bed. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to give her a kiss. And she's so upset. Like, no, no broken promises for her. And he's like, no, a real one, her face in that moment. Oh my gosh. It just, oh yeah. I just want to, I hurt for her. And that's all you needed. That's all you needed. You didn't need this whole weird I've wanted this my whole life and let me just kiss you even though you're married. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's so weird. It's super weird. And, 
He learns that he grew up so he could become a father and that his happy thought that will help him fly is the birth of his son. And I really enjoyed that. And then we get into our third act battle, which is really weirdly choreographed. I liked the um, the the flight effects mm-hmm. in general. I thought were actually pretty seamless. And I've worked on a stage. I've stage managed a stage production of the show was mm-hmm. Wizard of Oz. Um, but we we brought in a fly company, and so they do that like harness hookup like flying effects. And I think it's similar to what you use in film. You obviously edit out the wires mm-hmm. in post, but like they got some solid stunt doubles because like having enough body control to do especially Mm -hmm. flips when you're hooked up to the cables is really really difficult we had like lifelong dancers in the show and like they were like yeah this is this is really difficult like so the the fact that all the flying effects were so seamless um just having been behind the scenes of a production that used something similar, um, I was really impressed by. I thought the flying effects were really good. Um, but yeah, the, the fight choreography and the the way that they filmed it and like the angles that they chose were interesting. Yeah. So uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the fact this that this uh, sort of one section of the movie has two climaxes. Yeah. Um, I appreciated the resolution. I, I did think that it went a little bit over long. Yeah, I did too. Just, yeah, just because you have to like fight Hook and then you have to try and rescue the kids and then somebody takes the kids and then you have to fight Hook some more. It was a lot of like back and forth and back and forth, even though I really loved the gag of Hook having a contraption that would turn the red carpeted stairs that he walks up to his quarters on the ship. Uh, to regular stairs if anyone else is walking on the stairs. Just just little stuff like that was just, the production design is on like 1,000 in this movie. How did you guys feel about the actual third act big battle scene? I hated it. Did you? (laughs) It's the only thing that I didn't, aside from Tinkerbell, it's the only thing I didn't really enjoy because to me it was very obviously then a slapstick kids film. Like the the fighting scene and how they were doing it and whatnot, I just it just takes me out of the film. It took me out of the film as a kid and it took me out of the film as an adult. So, I just think there was just too much, too much silliness. I guess. I mean, especially when it's like, like there are moments when you know Peter realizes like Hook pins Peter and he's got his hook like right next to his face, making that scraping sound, and he's just like you think you're here, but you're really just an old man who drinks too much and like all this stuff. And he says all that. And there's this like very traumatic real moment. And then all of a sudden cut to, I'm going to like shoot you with a gumball. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It was just, it was just too. You Not know. to mention um, smack dab in the middle of this very slapstick battle. You have the death of Rufus, which is, Yeah, Yeah, it's no less traumatic 20 years later, by the way. Um, And it's it's a moment. Yeah, it's so it feels so overlooked, like it happens and it's so underdone that I expect him to come. You expect him to come Mm -hmm. back later or something, but he doesn't like he's just dead. And that is a massive trauma to this group of lost boys that doesn't get explored at all. I know. I I really because he's just like at the end that everybody's happy and they fly away and there's no 
yeah, there's no moment of understanding what death actually yeah. is. Yeah, and it's not it's not a culmination of a character arc for really anyone because you don't get that emotional payoff. Um, no, nah, there's just this dead kid. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no setup kid, yeah. in Rufio's character that would make his death make sense narratively speaking and there's no emotional payoff with the other boys. Yeah. They're just like, ooh, so like they're all excitedly looking at the sword like, who's going to be the next leader with no regard for the fact that there is going to be a new leader because this older boy who's been taking care of you for all of these presumably years uh, is dead now. Which I Did think you is, even bury him yeah, or anything? I think, I think it's really weird because in Neverland there is no dying. There is no death. That's the whole point why they're there. And even Hook, when he gets devoured by the crocodile at the end, when he actually dies, that's him giving in to death. And it's like, you. there's no sign of him. He's nowhere. So it's weird to me that they killed Rufio in such a way and then like left his dead body there. It's just like, it was just very weird. And it didn't feel like, the only thing I will say about that scene though, is I think that they did after the sword goes in and he pulls it out that moment when Peter flies forward and they make that wind rushing sound. And Peter's like, no, it's feels like the wind is being sucked out. Like they did a great job of the wind being sucked out of your yeah. chest, you know, like feeling like you've lost your breath when you see somebody like it run through, like he did Rufio. That's the only cool thing about that moment, I think. And yeah, it's still heart wrenching, but I just, I don't know why they chose to do that. It didn't feel like yeah, it made sense. Narratively. More heart wrenching for the feeling that there was no purpose. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you killed him for no reason. You yeah. Made yeah. Sad like for what no was the point of that? You did that to make people upset. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they get up to sort of leave. Right. And Captain Hook, challenges him by saying that like no matter where they go he's always gonna like find them and like try and kidnap his kids again and then we get a redux of the fight again and i was like oh we're still doing yep. this sword fight and it really lost me the the last i would say 20 minutes of it just really lost me yeah it could have been it could have been a five minute ten minute fight really to be honest the whole thing because really it was about Pete, Peter, and Hook, and they made it about the Lost Boys too, and this like war between the pirates. But you know, it's supposed to be about Peter recognizing that life is his next great adventure, and Hook realizing death is his next great adventure. You know, it was like that's the yeah. point there, that's the whole moment. So then just move on. And even when we come back from Neverland, like yeah, this all of weird. it just sort of manifests in this sort of it's a wonderful life kind of nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then the movie ends. Yeah. Like he wakes up. I, I used to really, this used to really bother me as a kid because I, I needed an answer, like a for mm -hmm. sure answer. And as an adult, I also find it a little bit disturbing because if you look at it as if it is just the drunken, you know, imagination of Peter Anning, then it's, it's horrifying. It's absolutely horrifying. He just like kind of wakes up and the, he has a midlife crisis basically. And yeah, maybe it's for the better, but maybe he's on an upswing and then a week from now he's going to go back to the same way that he, he is, you know, the only thing that gives a hint that it is real is the couple at the very end that go up. But otherwise it could just be Peter going crazy. And Toodles, which we haven't yes. talked about, which was another character that 
Um, I don't know if he actually, yeah, I think he emotionally devastated me as a kid yes, too. He did. Like yeah, me too. his entire arc of like, he's the, he's an orphan who never seemingly was able to leave Wendy. Yeah. Um, and he was still looking for his marbles, which makes it seem like he was still in Neverland even after yeah. he left all those years. So even though he le- like, it, it's, it's almost like the point of his character is to show that like, even if you leave Neverland, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to overcome the trauma of your youth Mm -hmm. and grow up. Yes. I agree. That is, I agree with that so much. I feel like really it's, He's so he's so tragic to me. And um, also because the way that he's portrayed, I just felt like it had elements of depicting a character that might have Alzheimer's, which maybe me reading into it because I have had a couple of family members, including my grandmother who died of Alzheimer's. And so that was like bringing up some man. I'm getting really heavy this episode. Sorry, guys. Um, But it was bringing up some like childhood traumas maybe there but just his entire character felt really tragic even though he gets his like quote-unquote happy ending they give him his marbles back he gets his like happy thought back so i'm not sure if what we're supposed to take from him is that what he he was still stuck in neverland because he lost his happy thought and he gets his happy thought back and so that's how he's able to you just never get a sense of him being able to move on he feels like the lost boy who's still trapped in neverland even though he came to london and grew up i think you're right i think yeah i think they were trying to depict someone either with mental illness which is why they say i've lost my marbles like he's just never really been all there and then when he's ready to go when he's ready to die he dies happily like and I think that that's kind of like him going off at the end there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's also a super tragic. Yeah. And he never comes back. And he never comes back. And that's because, and that's the only thing that I, that bothers me about the way that, you know, Rufio went is because I do feel like, you know, at the end, Hook is accepting death. So you don't see him, you know, like you don't see his body. And Toodles does the same thing. He's like, okay, I have my marbles. I'm ready to go, you know? And then he, he goes too. So I don't know. It's just, it's just weird some of the choices that they made yeah before we close the recap out Mm. do you guys have your opinions after sort of unpacking it and talking about it have your opinions on the tomato meter consensus changed i don't think so see yeah i i i can see why it was hit as hard as it was, I guess, because the main thing is, is it a kid's film or are you trying to do something else? And I feel like they couldn't make up their mind. So I can see it. I still feel like it's a bit extra mm-hmm. harsh, but maybe that's nostalgia talking. I'm willing to admit that might be nostalgia okay. talking. Well, when we come back, we're going to give out some freezies. And then I'll put in a clip where someone says bangarang or something here. <laughs> bangarang! <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that'd be a good one. No, yeah, we'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, so we're back and uh, we're going to give out freezies every week. We give out awards, uh, real awards or joke awards to uh, something we liked about the movies. I don't think that'll be too hard this week. PB, since you're our guest, uh, do you have any awards that you would like to give to Hook? I would love to give an award to um, Dustin Hoffman and um, Hoskins because of their performance and their portrayal of um, Captain Hook and 
oh, SME and that they played them. Um, I think the quote originally was um, from Hoffman was pair of old queens. They played them as a really cute oh, gay definitely. couple. And as a child, as a child, I, I just was like, oh, they're in love. And I, I needed that yeah, as a kid. So I really, really, movie. yeah. Yep. And I, <laughs> I appreciated it so much and I still do as an adult, but that's something we didn't mention that I'd love to give them an award for because uh, yeah. do you, ha- you, you get, you usually get three. So if you have any other ones you'd like to give out. Ooh, okay. Um, yes, I would love to give another award for, hmm, we'll give, we'll give the award for Phil Collins's line. Um, and then we will give a freezy for, oh my God, the boy who says, there you oh, are, Peter. Yeah. Cause I still cry as over 30 years old. I still cry when this scene comes on. What's very wrong affecting. with me? Nothing's yeah. wrong with you. Yeah. It's very <laughs> affecting. Yeah. yeah, or if there is, the exact same thing is wrong with me because yeah. I also cried at that moment. <laughs> nice, Micah. Do you have some freezies this week? I do. Um, my first freezy goes to Captain Hook for his spectacular level of extraness, his determination not only to get. I'm still not over them stairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like so everything good. from the stairs to the to the living suite he had to especially the fact that he didn't just want to get his revenge on Peter. No, he, he wanted, wanted to get his revenge on the Peter he knew. He wanted him to be in top form when he got his revenge. Yeah. So yeah, he does he's a villain who does nothing by halves and I really appreciated that. Yeah. Uh, and shout out to that scene, that dramatic um, attempted suicide oh, scene was really insane gosh. as well. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like that was, don't try to yeah, stop that was crazy it's me get <laughs> off your ass and stop me what are you doing I'm <laughs> yeah yeah that's, the drama he, yeah, he's very dramatic he's nothing but drama <laughs> yeah um my second freezy is an award for oh look they're here too and that goes to helen thermopolis rinaldi um Using her native English accent as the mother in this movie as well. I was wondering um, where my, I knew her face yeah, from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. it's all coming together. <laughs> and my final freezy um, is for correcting the mistakes of Disney's Peter Pan in that they did a Peter Pan story without the horrific racism against mm. native peoples. I really appreciated that they just ignored that plot point altogether because you get your mermaids, you get your subtle mermaids when Peter's like drowning. Um, Obviously, you've got your pirates, you've got your lost boys. And then there's like one brief little mention of, oh, you got that scar, something with the Indians because it's still the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it gets that one bear mention, and then it's never spoken of again. Yeah. And I appreciated that. <laughs> that yeah, they, I, I feel don't like know if that it was, was because very... they recognized how problematic it was, but I hey. like to think so. That's a good freezy. I like that one. And were those all of your freezies, Micah? They were. Uh, do you want to give yeah. us more? Okay, CJ? so yes, definitely please. a freezy for production design because it's out of this fucking world. Like, uh, uh, like mm-hmm. even even just those sort of wide shots of Neverland where you see the two moons and the and that like beautiful mountain with the waterfall. It was just so pretty to look at. I uh, just a visual feast for the eyes. Uh, I thought. 
I'll give my um, Hunch from Rockadoodle Best Supporting Actor Award <laughs> to, because PB, if you didn't know, we have named our Best Supporting Actor Award after the henchman character Hunch from the movie Rockadoodle. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, because we so- love him and he's the unofficial mascot of the podcast. Um <laughs> <laughs> He is the Beautiful. best TF. Oh, uh, and I'll give that award to um, the young actor who played Jack. There was a, yes. there was just a lot of a uh, lot of pathos and a lot of actual like palpable pain that you could feel in uh, in that little boy's eyes and his delivery of his lines. I thought he did very very well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I will give my third and final freezy to uh, <laughs> the the practical stunt work. Specifically this moment yes. in which one Good of the call. one of the children, larger boy, sits down, lifts up two fake legs and then the net and then it's just a slam cut to a uh, a a giant ball that has been fashioned into the shape of this boy oh, uh, r- rolling down a bunch of pirates like bowling <laughs> pins i screamed <laughs> hilarious i loved it and uh and and that particular uh practical effect gets my gets my third and final freezy so now is the point in the show where we decide whether or not the movie that we watch was still fresh or freezer burnt pb i think it's fresh but i think you knew i was gonna feel that way yeah it's okay (laughs) (laughs) you're allowed to feel how you feel micah still fresh or freezer burnt given it is still fresh too like there are clunky elements and we could get rid of julia roberts altogether and that would be fine but anything (laughs) that makes me feel these feelings as strongly and as organically as i did um Mm -hmm. gets us still fresh i think sweet CJ, how about you? Much to my surprise, uh, I'm giving it a still fresh as well. This is two weeks in a row where we had unanimous still fresh. It's crazy. We had to make up from freaking bad boys too. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, there's there's certain movies I put on the list of the movies that we watch that I, I just feel have the potential to break Micah. He hasn't been wrong yet. <laughs> <laughs> and bad boys too was definitely one of those movies. <laughs> That's pretty funny. What's so... Can I ask what's next up? What are you What are you guys doing now? Uh, yeah, Alex Gradet, who uh, is another podcaster and producer, he is going to join us next week to talk about. Once upon a time, uh, there was a Joan of Arc movie made by the guy who directed oh, The Fifth Element. What? And <laughs> I remember that. I don't think I ever saw it though. It had um, Lilu, Mila Jovovich, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, did yeah. It? She's Joan of Arc. It yeah. also has uh, John Malkovich, and from the looks of the trailer, uh, Faye Dunaway at uh, her fayest and most Dunaway. <laughs> well done. Well done. I'm I, I'm very <laughs> excited. I do that to everyone's names. It's not impressive at all. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, and Alex is really cool people, and I'm excited to uh, chat with him about that. PB, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a pleasure. This was very delightful. Thank Please you. Please come back for another Bob Hoskins I movie. I would love to. 
I would uh, love to. Specifically Super Mario Bros. Uh, yes, I will. Because I also enjoyed that film like a crazy That's person. That's the thing. I do too. <laughs> I've and never I don't seen think it. she's gonna. So we're gonna have a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, That'd be great. Where can people find you on the internet, PB? Oh, yeah. You guys can find me on the internet uh, at Twitch or Twitter at Pumpkinberry is my username. And I run a podcast called The Deep Dive, where we basically, we, it's the conversation after your favorite video game ends. So we just talk about how it made us feel and we kind of explore that. And you can find more about that over at deepdivecast.com. And all of those links will it. be in the description box uh, on the podcast uh, in your feeds. Micah, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Micah Renee B. And you can find me on Instagram at Lowkey Stroke the Lemur. Uh, you can find me at CJ period, that's C-E-E-J-A-Y and the word period. I'm assuming you know how to spell it on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at below 32 pod on Twitter and Facebook as well. Uh, please leave us a review on iTunes and it, wherever else you're listening to us. Uh, it helps more people find the show and it lets us know uh, what you guys think so we can uh, do more of what you like and less of what you don't. And uh, that stuff's going to be fun. I want to thank you guys again for listening. Thank you again, PB, for coming. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was again a pleasure. Y'all stay frosty. Stay frosty. Stay frosty.